Tonight on the show, we'll be talking about Rock Terrio's cult, the Anthill Kids. Located in Canada, Rock would go on to become one of the most brutal one-time murderers in Canadian history with an entire cult built to worship him. He came by it through a lot of flim-flamming and bamboozling, and when we get into the sexual and physical assaults, it is quite brutal and manipulative. If these things set off any sort of emotional feelings for you, now you know about them. Yep. Anthill Kids, Rock Terrio, <laughs> tonight on Death Metal <laughs> Man, our throats are both fucked up. That wasn't the best one we've ever done for sure. Was but it was fun to do it. <laughs> Mine was fine. <laughs> hey, well, welcome to the show this evening. We've made it past Halloween. I hope you spooky boys and girls had a fantastic time. We're more than excited to be back with you. We're stoked. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yep. We're uh, amped. Well, do you know the man who gave you the plan? Was it Jesus Christ? He spread his legs. Yeah, suck on his peg and he nailed you to the cross. You used his pubes as floss. <laughs> man, that fucking shit got me gone, man. Yeah, but he's high on like tobacco vaporizer right now. <laughs> I didn't know he could be that, but he is for sure. Man, I did. This shit makes me want to be homeless and run, <laughs> run rampant, man. I'm ready. I'm ready to quit everything except that. Yeah, everybody's got like that one drug, I guess, that gets a hold of you like that. Yeah, man. Could you imagine something like Minister Gunner going, hey, man, what have you been doing? I'm vaping. <laughs> I've been vaping. PCP? No. Nicotine. Yo, can, you, got, you, got, you can vape PCP for sure, right? I'm sure. Yeah, who's not doing that? <coughs> Listen out there, if you're doing PCP, let's think about the future of your lungs. Now, I'm sure that it's very caustic to take in in the traditional cigarette dipping fashion. I, I get feeling it's probably better for you as a high and all the way around if you vaporize that PCP. Just put a little bit of formaldehyde in one of your old fucking rigamadoos and puff a big old cloud of that. Boy. I feel like the only flavor that you can do is uh, garbage juice. <laughs> PCP? <laughs> garbage juice PCP. Yeah, it's that. That's where you're going to end up for sure. Uh, hey, man, welcome to Death Metal Dicks. This week, like I said in the warning part, we're talking about the Anthill Kids, which is a crazy fucking cult in Canada. You know how these things tip off. You've heard us talk about cults before. There's a little bit of psychology involved. Neither Buddy nor I are professionals. Buddy is much closer to the issue than me because he works with... Disturbed, in some cases, children and adults. Yeah, he works with the homeless. I guess that's, you already know. You already know what time it is when you say homeless. Uh, Rock Terrio, it's spelled T-H-E-R-I-A-U-L-T, which I would think is the Ralt, but in thing is, when you get to poutine country, they start saying words real fucking weird. Now, part of this guy's scam, uh, it'll definitely come into play later, is that Canada has always been divided. There's uh, the Quebecois area. Uh, that, you know, there's a part of Canada where they only speak French that refuses to be part of the rest of Canada. They're, they're, you know, you know how the motherfucking French are? Yeah. They're not going to do what you want them to do. No. And they refuse to speak English. So in Canada, even today, there's people who don't speak English and there's people who don't speak French. Well, fucking Roke 
Have I been saying rock or roke? Uh, I heard it. I've heard it pronounced rock. No, no, no. It, it it is pronounced roke. But what have I been saying? Because I am also a little bit buzzed. All right, roke Terrio. Uh, he spoke both, so he's gonna use that to his advantage heavily. Uh, you know. Also, I feel like Canadians are probably easy as fuck to manipulate. Wait, why would I do that? Well, I got about eighteen gallons of your finest maple over here. So come along, you see. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, there. Yeah. He was born March 16th, 1947 in Saguenay, Quebec, Canada. Super smart fucking kid. As it goes with manipulative psychopaths, rarely are they fucking dumb. We've talked about before, if you are a dumb psychopath or sociopath, boy, did you get the shit of the stick. Yeah. Because your whole thing is that you want to fucking lie and get yourself to the top, but you got to be smart to lie. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, yeah. He took himself out of school in seventh grade to teach himself the Old Testament of the Bible. Uh, you know, maybe tell them no if you're mom and dad. Yeah. Uh, mom and dad, school is so easy for me. I would like to pursue the holier arts and drop out to learn about Adam and Eve and touch and beave. Yes. That's the one. That's the ticket. I like you know, people will talk bad about the Bible, but yo, they're fucking in the first chapter. You feel me? Yeah. Anything that's when a book is a go. You know, if y'all are having sex in the first eight hundred pages, count me in. Eight hundred words. Sorry, you count me in. Pork, count me in. But you can't eat pork in the first. Yeah. Well, I mean, I, do they even have pigs? Yeah. The they talk about them being unclean animals in the first. We're so clean the about them. Them boys are clean as hell. That's what I'm saying. Yeah, it makes no sense. My buddy's dad was telling me I guess God it. doesn't even know. Like, God's like, I, I made these motherfuckers, these fucking squiggly-tailed clove hoof fat things over here. Uh, they're not very clean, but yeah, they are. They don't, like, they are afraid of their shit. They're like a cat. Yeah. <laughs> they like the shit. Remember when you thought a fox was a cat? Yeah. <laughs> a pig's way more like a cat than a fox. I guess. <laughs> well, they shit in like a litter box, they you know what I mean? Uh, what? Yeah. Well, they also eat that litter box. Nah, <laughs> not pigs don't eat their own shit. They're clean as hell. Um, you know, according to Roke, his father beat his ass, pushed him downstairs at the age of 12. Uh, he has forced to leave home, in his words, at the age of 14. His father beat him up badly and told him never to return. He got stomach ulcers later in life, and he said the reason for that is because his dad hit him in the stomach so much that it gave him ulcers, and it was probably just eating fucking egregious quantities of maple syrup and brown gravy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Get all dressed. Mixed together. All dressed hamburger helper. Yeah, that's what they do. They put together like maple syrup, brown gravy, and ketchup. That's what all dressed is, right? I don't know. That sounds gross. Yeah, but it's pretty fucking good, man. I'm going to be real with you. Uh, like yeah. All dressed chips and shit. I think it's that. I don't know. <laughs> it's man. a sweet, savory, and fucking tangy. They put maple syrup on their salads. Yeah, man. They're just up there fucking scumming it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know why we've done so many Canadian episodes. I really didn't plan it. Yeah. This one came up. Uh, I knew about this shit. There was like I remember reading an article about it you know years ago and being like what the fuck cuz there's something that happens in here there's like there's a lot of shit but there's one thing where you're just going to fucking you've ne- you're going to be blown off the fucking planet okay I mean it's 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 beyond the beyonds like the dude wasn't a serial killer he didn't kill a lot of people he didn't ramp up he just did some like the the, the thing that he did do oh baby yeah powerful uh so 
we just ended up, oh, this, uh, I, I remember reading about that particular thing and being like, holy shit, a human did this? Is this verifiable? And looking it up, it certainly is a fact. But our friend and patron, old Andy Campbell, sent me a, another article about the Ant Hill Kids a couple of weeks ago, mm-hmm. and that got the old gear spinning. Yeah. Like, why the fuck not? Other yeah. podcasts ain't doing this shit. Yeah. We're going to knock it out of the fucking park. You know what I'm saying? Let's do it. Let's do it. Uh, now, the the split between him and his parents are real because his parents, the rest of his family, and their neighbors say, nah, you know, fucking Roke had a pretty good life. He, we don't, we never saw any tire, any fucking signs of abuse. Never saw him get beat up. His parents were strict, for sure, but they never beat him up. Uh, and if you wanted to follow that narrative and for sure believe him as the victim, he's got some other crazy fucking stories about being a kid that make him sound like he's full of shit as well, to me at least. Uh, supposedly, in his words, he was paralyzed from age six to eight. Okay. Couldn't do anything. Was a quadriplegic and then somehow fucking came out of it. How? I guess his dad whooped his ass or something. Uh, he supposedly had a vision when he was eight years old, that he was Joseph in a play, Joseph of the Bible, of course. Uh-huh. Is jo- Joseph's who wrestled the angel all night, right? I don't know. Isn't Joseph also fucking Mary's husband? Well, that's a different Joseph. Oh, there's more than one. Not cuckold Joseph, bright coat Joseph. I got you. Oh, yeah. Okay. Yeah, yeah. I thought you were talking about Jacob. Yeah, I might, I might be. Many colors. Oh, that's Joseph. Nah. Technicolor green coat. No. Is Jacob in the amazing Technicolor dream coat? Yeah. What do you want to put on it? Uh, you got to fucking sniff my fucking ball bag. And if I'm right? Mm, I'll sniff your ball bag. You'll for sure smell my balls. We do it on camera? Yeah, we can't do it on YouTube. Why not? We'll cover my balls up. That's a fucking musical, uh, isn't it? Yeah. That's him. It's Joseph. I mean, Jacob, there's a Jacob with a fucking multicolored nah. coat. No, nah, there is a Jacob. He's Esau's brother. God damn, man. You're like, yeah, I know the Bible. You know what I'm saying? I do too. <sighs> yeah, it's really shining through. So, yeah, you're going to sniff my balls. You're going to do it on YouTube? Is that what you're doing? No, nah, I can't do it on YouTube. I think you can. Then we'll get taken the fuck off. No, nah, I'll just put like a sheet over my nuts. Oh. Well, and you'll put your... Fate. Well, if you do it where you stand like this away from the camera, yeah. you pull your... Yeah. Do the old Mexican belt buckle. Yeah, you'll sniff my nuts. Let's do it. Well, not right now. I mean, I'm going to get through the podcast. Oh, or you're a pussy. Well, all I'm trying to do is advertise. Well, I got. I don't want to stop talking. I just want to advertise youtube.com backslash death metal dicks. Okay. Extra content, such as buddy sniffing my nuts. You're not going to be able to experience it through a podcast the way that you would be through YouTube. So we're going to save it for the tube. Now that we've eaten up so much time talking about this, we'll move on with the story. <laughs> <laughs> Joseph, his most fucking ostentatious claim to me is that he roamed around the woods playing with a family of bears. That's a mother bear with her children for an entire day when he was eight or nine years old. He can't remember that part, but he does remember fucking frolicking and tramping around with bears. Bullshit. You know when bears <laughs> eat you, they start at the ass? Yeah. They would have just put, fucking pulled that boy. Right, man, let's go out there. Yeah. His father... Claims that from a young age, he was disturbed by Roke because as soon as he could talk, he was manipulative. He seemed to him to be a violent psychopath from a very young age. Uh, around the age that he's claiming all this crazy shit happened, the six to eight, he smoked fucking cigarettes and had complex shit where he framed his siblings and things that he had done. 
which is not a good sign for a child if you're up to some evil scams at that point. Yeah. <laughs> if you're eight years old and coming up with a plot to get your fucking 10-year-old brother in trouble, it ain't going to work out. That's some peaking the brain shit. <laughs> <laughs> That's a great reference to go with that there. Uh, now, like I said, he took himself out of school in seventh grade and he found his purpose right away. For one... The reason why he went down that path is, like I said, he was very smart. He did super well in school. He was one of those kids that um, I've, I've been told that I was this way, and I know a lot of people are this way. It's, it's like you're not necessarily the smartest person, but when it comes to like seventh grade shit, you've, you've already kind of know what it is. Uh, you're not challenged. You're not stimulated. So you just get bored. And you want something else to do. He got a lot of attention for basically being a young intellectual, and he liked that a lot. He used that to manipulate things to go his way because he was as smart and could converse with adults. I definitely remember being a kid and being able to talk like especially like Bible shit. I could talk about that with adults on their level and they fucking loved it. You know, they'd be like, oh, this kid's so smart. He's been touched by the fucking spirit. He can just really dissect things. And it's crazy how he could be such a well-spoken, knowledgeable young man. And that if you cared, it would make you feel good. It really annoyed me. But for him. Probably got hot by it. And then uh, as soon as he got attention from one girl, this boy was aw- He knew what he was meant for. And uh, it was actually probably before a girl paid him attention uh, because uh, he has a giant fucking dick. Big hammer. Big old fucking piece. This is fucking Wesley Pipes. This guy, uh, I don't know anything about sports, but I assume that there's regulations in play now that make you use a particular size of bat in baseball. Mm-hmm. And I know that supposedly one of the greatest like home run hitters of all time is Babe Ruth, mm-hmm. but he's like a fat fucking slob. So I assume that he had some shit where he had like an extra large bat bat or some shit. You know what I mean? Yeah. He wasn't like an athlete. He was just like a fat with a huge bat. Uh, I, I, I feel like uh, there would be like his dick is out of regulation. You know what I'm saying? Like yeah. he, like he is smacking dingers. Uh, and it's not fair for everyone else because no one else has that. You know what I mean? He was very uh, good at playing the game of p-ball. Yeah, for it's sure. like t-ball, but it's different. <laughs> yeah, he's playing p-ball with that big old fucking hog of his. Um, he already, at the age of 13, was calling himself a philosopher. He had sex for the first time at 13, and, uh, of course, you know, the girl was awestruck by the size of that fucking thing. Yeah. Uh, I mean, I'm talking Pete Steele. Size, you know, what is I mean? it that big yeah. and he's thirteen? Uh, well, I mean, it, it it's huge. It comes up over and over again, and it's definitely going to because I think a huge dick is hilarious. <laughs> yeah, me too. Uh, started started uh, going to dance halls, which is I guess what you could do as a teenager there. And he was like a pickup artist. Like he talks about developing a formula that he used to get laid. And uh, he was really good at it, and that's what his life was. So it's really weird to say that he got married at the age of 17. I'm sorry. He got married at the age of 20. It's like you're in prime Dixlingen mode then. Yeah. You're not even, like, I think in Canada, I don't know about back in the fucking 60s. I know now the drinking age is 18. Yeah. Instead of 20, I'm pretty sure. Okay. In the 60s, it might have been like 14 or 15, because Canadians, they drink a lot. They don't give a fuck, you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. You're responsible. Go ahead, kid. Knock yourself out. Get a Molson. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Get a Labatt. <laughs> what, what beer factory did they work in in Strange Brew? I don't fucking remember. Like Molson, probably. I think it was A. Molson A. Yeah. Uh, Give me a couple of jellies. Yeah. Jellies? 
Oh yeah, yeah, jelly, yeah that's where they ate jelly. That shit jelly was. Donuts. That's a hilarious movie. It's a old as fuck, so you probably made out of first strange brew. I highly recommend it. It holds up. It's fucking hilarious. It's fucking hilarious. Yeah. Fucking hilarious. Uh, so he married a seventeen-year-old when he was twenty. Her name is Francine Grani. They moved to Montreal together almost right away. Uh, I'm sorry. The first thing they did is they moved in together, and this also goes against that shit where you know Roke is trying to say that he had this horribly abusive childhood. That's just some manipulative shit because they built a house basically on his parents' property. It was yeah. kind of in the wilderness, but half a mile away from him, which is probably their property. So well, he, it's easy to manipulate people if they feel sorry for you. Yeah, for sure. Oh, that and that's this guy's fucking cart through and through, all the way through. You'll see. He yeah. fucking is everything's oh poor me type of shit. Uh, he actually got a good job when they moved to Montreal, which was right after living in that house on his parents' property. He became a chimney inspector. Uh, he drank almost every night, but it wasn't like a lot. And he also wasn't a mean drunk at all. He was cool. He would like play jokes and pranks and they'd have a good fucking time. They'd have a few drinks together, kick back. He probably chased her around the house, fucking grab on her nipples a little bit, yeah. slippity slappity, put it in. Uh, you're not staying away from that fucking Pete. Like if you were, you know, like you're young, you guys are having hot sex, you're drinking together. Like if she was in the living room and he got fucking hard from the kitchen, you already know what time it is. Yeah. It's like a beacon. It's got a light on it, so airplanes don't run into it. Mm-hmm. So she's she's jumping on that thing every single night. Uh, she's jumping on it. Yeah, I mean if because you big. can't you can't like walk onto it. You know what I'm saying? Have you ever seen those porns where the dudes got huge hogs, but they gotta <laughs> grab their dick with two hands to make sure they don't kill them? Yeah, you yeah. got that going on. Yeah, I'm sure. I haven't seen it, but that's all that you hear about it. Like it's like, uh, you know, when there's like a through line in something. And everybody basically confirms that, like people that hate you, people that like you, people that barely know you. Like when when there's one fact that's consistent, you know that that like impressed enough people, that enough people were like, holy shit, yeah, that it stayed into everyone's story. Like everyone that brought this guy's name up was like huge fucking. Like I bet when he went on into trial that the fucking prosecuting attorney was like, ladies and gentlemen of the jury, I want to tell you, this man has done terrible things. He's got a giant member. And then the defense was also like, this man should be absolved of all crime. He has a giant, pleasurable, spongy member. You know what I mean? Yeah, and the yeah. judge was like, ah, it's a, it's a big dicksman. So, you know. Yeah. Just acknowledge it. Let's just acknowledge the fucking big dick in the courtroom. Yeah. Everyone. Everyone fucking fawns over this hmm. thing. They have their first kid, uh, which I don't know how... You know, I don't know how like physics works. I just figured like if you're that fucking endowed, if you put that thing all the way in there and then shoot one, you you like went past where the sperm normally goes. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? But maybe she evolved into like catching it. I don't know. I'm just trying to figure out how a body works. I would be you know, <laughs> to fucking January 10th, 2000. She just got real congested. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it just clogged it up so up there so much it's got nowhere. Every to go. time we fuck, I gotta take a bunch of mucin eggs. <laughs> Yeah. I'm fucking feeling it right now. Yeah, you're getting it. You saying that reminded me that I'm fucking congested. <laughs> yeah. uh, January 10th, 1969, they conceived their first son, Roke Jr. Second kid came two years later with Francois, 1971, also coming in January. Roke Sr., around this time, began to complain of stomach pain, which he legitimately had ulcers. He had to get a big chunk of stomach cut out, which is a testament to why modern medicine slaps in comparison to old medicine. Because now, if you get an ulcer, it ain't no big deal. Yeah. They're just going to give you fucking pills to take so it doesn't flare up. In the fucking early 70s in Canada, with socialized medicine, they're just doing experiments, so they just cut a piece of his stomach out. Yeah. That's the first surgery he had. Didn't do shit. 
Mm-hmm. Just had a piece of stomach cut out. Surgery number two, he had to get because he had just kept complaining. Like, look, it didn't fix anything. They saw the x-ray. Sure enough, the ulcers are there still. So instead of taking an alternative path, they just cut more of his fucking stomach out. Great medical plan. Yeah. Um, it really fucked him up. Really fucked Roke up bad. Uh, he spent eight months violently vomiting all day long every day. Literally. Imagine that. Eight months. He was probably strong as fuck afterwards, dude. And his back muscles are probably wild. Yeah, because you know, like that barf is like that full body fucking yeah. just like it's by you know it's not any extra weight or anything, but you're fucking squeezing the shit out of everything yeah. in your body hard. You, you get sore from that shit. I hate barf diarrheas. Uh, yeah, that's terrible. I mean, that, he's just living it. Like you know, you know, you everyone here knows how miserable it is to one have an upset stomach bad enough that will it will make you throw up. How bad barfing is. I mean, he can't keep anything in his body. I mean, it is a very shitty situation. I mean, not he he makes up for it with ill shit on the karma scale or whatever you want to look at. Uh, he finally goes to a different doctor, January of 1972. He said that Rock Roke has a dumping syndrome, which is hilarious for a stomach problem. Why would you call it dumping syndrome? It's like, ah, man, I've seen this before. You got that dumping syndrome. You shit too much, my man. Quit dumping. You're dumping all the time. You got a fucking syndrome. Um, Basically, they fucked his stomach up by cutting too much out of it. He couldn't dissolve food anymore. So whatever he ate, the entire piece of food, the way he chewed it, all sharp and jagged and shit like that, just shot into his small intestine, putting him in crippling pain. And also not getting any of the nutrients from it. Yeah. So everything he ate just fucked him up. It just drove him fucking insane. As it should, you know, I don't blame him for this at all. Yeah. He 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 started, and also, you know, pretty smart guy, like I said, is used to studying shit on his own, so he dives into medical books. Mm-hmm. He gets obsessed with not only what he has, but he's trying to figure out how the entire body works. You know, yeah. he's trying to see what he can do. Uh, what he can figure out that the doctors haven't been able to figure out and, and make himself not fucking hurt anymore. Yeah. Well. Uh, well, while this is going on, and again, not a surprise, he completely changes. His personality does. Yeah. Um, like I said, he he was drinking and shit, but every, like his, for the what he describes his childhood was, which is really not true, um... He was a pretty delightful guy. Yeah. Like his everyone that was around him liked him, you know. He was like a little bit full of himself. Like he definitely had some narcissism fucking peeking its head around. Yeah. Like he cared about him more than everyone else, but he was still a, a great family man by all accounts. Uh good to his parents, good to his whole fucking crew. Um and, and once he started dealing with this shit and studying it all the time, Francine describes it as it bringing out a monster. He used to be, like I said, a great family man. And now all he can do with his free time when he's not doubled over in pain is focus on his health. He has to quit his chimney job because he can't do physical work. They move away from Montreal back to where they came from in Thetford Mines. Um, He lied to people. This is where the lying starts. It's really weird, too, uh, which it could be a theory that I was thinking is that, like, um... Like, if someone, someone fucked his surgery up is the way he feels, I think. Yeah. He doesn't know how. He doesn't know why. But he knows that it all feels bad. And he, it, someone did fuck his surgery up for sure. Like, he has two surgeries he shouldn't have had. But he starts telling people when they move back to Thetford Mines, which I'm sure is also kind of embarrassing because he had a good job. Mm-hmm. He moved to the city. They were 
having a pretty cool life. Yeah. And now he has to come back to where he came from, which people, you know, he was kind of a shithead, like attitude wise, friendly, but full of himself. Yeah. People usually don't like that guy that much. Right. Like you're like your peers, like your age, like adults like him. His wife likes him, but if we, if it was like somebody that came to hung, hang out with us and they were trying to get all intellectual, like first yeah. day, well, we're trying to drink some Labatt Blues. I don't, I don't want to hear that shit. You yeah, know what I'm saying? Man, fuck off. Yeah, fuck off. I don't want to be smart. I want to think about fucking hockey and slapping motherfuckers. Yeah, he's like, my favorite band's Mega Death. You're like, yeah. Oh, get the fuck yeah, out you're here. one of those. Get out of here. You're it's one technical. Of those. Yeah. No, it's the most technical guitar playing that there is. God, I've, it technically sucks. <laughs> uh, but he was lying about his surgery. He said that his insides were removed and replaced with plastic. Sweet. And he could die any day. That's what he was telling everybody he ran back into. He says like newspaper bags for intestines. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. It's just Ziplocs. <laughs> like, well, they took my stomach out and put a big fucking Ziploc in there and yeah. I could die any day from that shit. Put a couple of cold cuts in the old salami uh, bag. One noticeable personality change that is only important to bring up because of where his proclivities go to. Uh, he used to be quite they were like this is uh, again french they're catholic all of them are catholic okay mainly so that it's not like he used to make francine wear long dresses which is uh is like a traditional roman catholic thing i'm not talking about like a jean dress like a pentecostal but just like you know cover your like basically cover your whole body up don't be revealing at all you're my wife i care about you i don't want other people to look at you after the is fucking that surgery, they think that, like their pussies just so fucking fire that they can't. I yeah maybe well I mean dude the thing with the most dangerous part about the Bible uh, out now might as well say it is just the idea of controlling anybody yeah. and it's really all about that because that's the principle of religion it's controlling a populace of people but you know if you're in the position of being a man who gets married it essentially commands you to make women serve you yeah. So it tells women, like, hey, if you enter into a relationship with a man and you decide to get married, uh, number one in your life, God. You serve him. You bow down to God and you do what he wants. Uh, but a close second is your husband. You serve him. Yeah. Bow down to him. You, do, you, you, uh, you don't tempt any other man. You don't look at any other man. You know what I'm saying? It's just Old Testament shit. Yeah. It's not like I, the the logic isn't his own logic. It's Old Testament shit. Well, after this happens, he wants her to start showing skin. Ooh. He tells her to get short dresses, show leg off, get high heels. I mean, he was just on some like 180 degree Sam Kinison shit. Like yeah, Sam yeah. Kinison was a preacher. Yeah. Got hit by a fucking car, had a bad head injury, was in a coma, came back and was wild as hell. Yeah. It was the opposite of a preacher. Yeah. Horny, fat, fucking loud, ignorant, doing stand-up comedy, trying to be a rock star and shit. Yeah. He just did a 180. Uh, Traumatic injuries, not only to your brain, just in general, can fuck you up. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And and also, the the guy was already showing some traits, like I said, of narcissism. It really could have activated something deep within him, you know? It's like, (laughs) they used to say shit like, if you take acid or mushrooms or even fucking smoke too much weed. Mm Mm-hmm. You can you can permafry yourself and give yourself schizophrenia. Yeah. Well, it's mildly true because if you are schizophrenic and it hasn't reared its head yet, yeah, you can activate that shit. Yeah. Like out and out by you know taking a fucking psychedelic and having to peer inside your mind. Well, inside of your mind is this fucking shit. Mm-hmm. And now you got it. You know you were gonna get it anyway. Yeah. It was gonna happen. Just uh, to what severity? If you hadn't have done that. Yeah. Uh, so 
he became fuck obsessed. That's all he talked about with his wife is sex. He just wanted to do it all the time, which I understand. Oh, yeah. It's cool. It feels it good. I love everything yeah. about it, too. I bought a fucking Jack toy. Yo. I didn't like it. Yeah, wow. Why did you even buy it? You weren't getting it. You weren't. Man, you weren't no. Getting, it was you a, weren't getting it. No, it was Halloween night, man. It was a shitty night. It was fucking rained hard. Kids <laughs> you bought it on fun. Halloween? Yeah, man. So I could have a hello <laughs> day. Uh, so I could. Wife passed out. I was like, man, you know what? I got to go to the store. I'm just going to go to the store. So I go to the store and I'm like, you know what, dude? You know what? You never. You're 30 years old. You've never bought a jack toy. All your friends have talked. So about it. that just came out. That's just the thought that ran through your mind. Well, I was, of course, I was fucking all horned up. But I was yeah. like, you know what, man? I'm. I'm gonna. I'm treat gonna, yourself. I'm gonna treat myself. I got a raise. Yeah. Okay. Let me go get a fucking jack toy. Yeah. Might as well. So and I you do. Got a cheap one. Yeah, I got a cheap one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I had like the beads in it, but it was like fucking beads. Yeah, it was like fucking Jello, but with BBs in it. <laughs> And so I'm like, all right, cool. I got this thing and I fucking do it. And I'm like, one side's supposed to be a butt. No, yeah. it's supposed to be a badge. Yeah. Can't tell the difference. Well, if you've been a long time listener, you'll know that uh, one time I bamboozled a pornography store clerk. Why well, didn't you bamboozle her? She just had bad service. She didn't show up. She never came to the front. Yeah. There was just unattended fleshlights. I wanted a fleshlight. There was one there. She wasn't there. I was much younger in a different state. You know yeah. how the, you know the fucking rules? Yeah, yeah, yeah. If you're in a different state, it ain't stealing. I grabbed that fleshlight and I walked out of the door and I probably fucked it a good, you know, 20 times. It feels great. It's awesome. Is fucking it? rules. Okay. Oh, yeah. I mean, you... Um, the one that I got's got like uh, what are those fucking candies that are on the sheet? They're like bumps, you know what I'm saying? I don't it's know like a sheet of candy and it's multicolored little dots on it. You peel them off; they're just like sugar. You never had that before? It's know. like braille. It's like a thick braille. Okay, but there's just like big. There's big fucking circles in it, and it's like the softest. Like, dude, if you had a bed made out of this shit, oh my god. Okay, you could never sleep like that. If they they have to make beds out of that shit, if, we gotta get a sex toy sponsor. Yeah, I'm sure. Fleshlight used to sponsor the fuck out of podcasts, but yo, that thing rips. You, if you put it in like warm water, it's over, huh? And it has like a it sucks. Also, oh man, oh god, yeah. yeah my mind really sounded like a weird like. Like you're trying yeah, well, to I've plunge t- a toilet. I've told that fucking joke for, I hate telling it because I've done it for so long, yeah. which I guess is how stupid fucking comedy goes until you like record it. You just have to live with it. But it's like, oh, my wife gave me a flashlight you to catch up on sleep. And uh, it's like a challenge to me. Good luck going to sleep when it sounds like Rick Ross is eating a 12 pack of fudge pops next to you in bed. Because yeah. it's really just like, oh, it does sound like But that. it sucks. Like the, the flashlight has got like a vent on the top of it. Oh. So if you like. It gets air in it, you know what I mean. Yeah, so yeah. when you put your dick in it, if you have it sealed all the way tight, it's hard to pull your dick back out. You like crack the vent. You can make it suck as hard as you want to. Whoa, it's crazy. <laughs> no one wants to hear about this shit. We probably just lost. Yeah, they do. It. No, no, man. Yeah, they do. Well, all right. Well, the thing is that we have like a large female audience, and they've definitely seen what we look like, and yeah. they're probably just like, "Oh my god." Well, they know we're sexual deviants. Yeah, we're gross. We're, well, when you hear about this guy, we're not a fucking deviant. This guy, this is a real fucking deviant. Um, you know, 80% of the time, I feel kind of like, what I worry about with the people like this is you always hear about, they get like obsessed with fucking. Yeah. They just can't stop thinking about it. And then like one type of fuck is not good enough. They just keep going different layers and do, do weirder and weirder shit until it apexes into like murder. Yeah. And so like, you know, my, my wife had this fuck, it's like broke her leg and shit. Uh-huh. And so we haven't been able to like fuck uh-huh. the right way or really 
like you know I'm like a three four times a week yeah, yeah animal yeah. I got you you know what I'm saying yeah. Like when I do squats and come home, I'm just fucking oh, oh my yeah, god! I'm like brother. I'm like hard at the. <laughs> it's just like I got to do something, and uh, so my brain's been working like this, and I'm just I'm getting worried. You know what I'm saying? Because like eighty percent of my brain is just like I got to fuck, and the other twenty percent is just like writing this fucking podcast. So yeah. I'm in a bad spot. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Uh, I mean, not bad, but you get it. Like I'm just worried because this yeah. shit. Like you start thinking like this. Is this what happens? I don't know. You gotta. Have, I, <laughs> it all starts with childhood, man. Yeah. All right. I'm cool. I guess I should just fucking watch that flashlight and take it to task. Uh, that's another thing about the flashlight is like I'll I'll bust in it. Yeah. And then just like put it away and then just leave it for months at a time. Ooh. Yeah, it's gross. So some I'm, type of I'm weird, terrible, weird fucking prison liquor. Yeah, but I'll like you know wash it before I use it again. It's yeah, it's yeah, a, yeah. this is the problem. Like it's a lot to deal with. It's a pain in the ass. Like I could. Go into the shower and jack uh-huh. off. No problem. It's gonna yeah, it's yeah. gonna clean itself up. We're all good. Yeah. Or I could take this thing out, boil water, let it sit in the boil water for a few seconds, and it's like hard to get back in the tube. Screw the tube back together, put lube in it, fuck it, come inside of it, put it away in shame, wash the lube off of my dick. Like that's uh-huh. a lot. You know what I mean? Yeah. For a piece of plastic. Yeah. And it feels so. I'm. Mean, it's. It's like eight seconds. You know what I mean? Yeah. It. It like sucks your asshole out of your body. It sucks so hard. Whoa. It's crazy. <laughs> you should buy one. You can have mine. All right. Would you use it? Uh. You wash it. Uh, yeah, I'll wash it. I mean, I. I probably. It's probably been. Can you use it as a foam roller too for your back? <laughs> no. Nah, it's probably been over a year since I used it, and there's a fucking year old nut. So. Yeah, you're gonna have to wash it for you give it to me, brother. Well, you wash it because I'm giving it to you. But you gotta drink the water. No. Uh, so <laughs> back to this shit. No more fucking flashlight talk. I promise. Uh, yeah. So he wants to start a nudist colony. Is his first ideation of getting a group together. He's all about it. He keeps talking about it. Francine's seems super nice. You know, like she entertains the idea, but she's not for it. Um, he also he's, a, he's still at a point. Where he feels like he owes his family. You know, that's another thing about the Bible is that if you believe in your fucking woman being subservient to you, then you also have to believe that you're the provider. It's up to you to make it happen. So he starts a wood shop and does fucking crafts on his parents' property. He makes furniture. The furniture is not so great. And he uses a leftover wood to make mugs. So he sells the furniture. He's got all these mugs left over. He sells a few mugs. He runs for city council. Everyone knows he's smart. He wins in 1975. But the problem with him is, is again, he's like a fake intellectual. He's self-taught. He doesn't know how to actually apply this shit. He didn't go through school. So everything is like an idea or a theory, you know? He's not like an applied smart. He just thinks that he knows what he knows. So he's got ideas that can't be done. And every time that happens, he gets pissed off. He throws fits. No one likes being around him. Uh, no one will talk to him. No one will take his ideas. He keeps fucking wilding out. People tell him basically to fuck off. He stops showing up <laughs> in 1976, gets voted out, loses his seat on city council, gets on welfare, and he's still trying to sell these shit-ass mugs. What is it with mugs and sociopaths? I don't know, man. It's a great question. They love a mug. Remember that weird fuck at my grandpa's funeral? It was like, he was younger than my grandpa, but he was yeah. like, he really looked up to him. But he bought me a hundred mugs that said Buddy's Place on it. Remember that shit? Yeah, why? 
He's fucking weird. Yeah, man. that is the weird. He goes, shit. "Hey man, can I get your phone number?" I go, "No." <laughs> He goes, he goes, well, you know, what if I want to keep in contact? I was like, well, what if I don't want to keep in contact? Because you're yeah. fucking, you bought me a hundred yeah. coffee mugs. Yeah. Who, like, how many coffee? Like, what? You could just drink. It's ridiculous. It's absurd. What do you do with those mugs? I fucking tossed them in the fucking <laughs> yeah. dumpster, dude. Yeah. <laughs> I wouldn't mind having a buddy's place mug. Yeah. He was like, you can give them out to your friends. I was like, I don't have a hundred What friends. a funny thing to say, too. They say buddy's place. Like, yeah, I'm pass them out to your boys. That's the name of my dick. Yeah, buddy's place. <laughs> it's a small place. Uh, why would you have a hundred mugs? <laughs> I can see. I'm never. He's like, I bought it. it from a restaurant for ten bucks. I'm like, yeah. Oh, uh, okay. Was it where? Was that in town? A restaurant? No, buddy's man. Place? Oh, weird. It was so like, he saw it. It out. was from like Kansas, the town. What? Yeah. I was like, man, weird. I already have a bad taste. I hate Kansas. Yeah. It's like it fucking sucks. Yeah. So. He's on welfare trying to sell mugs. He stopped taking his stomach medicine because what's his main concern in life? Fucking. And what do you need as a man to fuck? A dick. And what has to happen to that dick to make it happen? Come. Uh, what f- makes the... What? Okay. A hole. No, 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 no. All right. Let's say I've got to come, right? Mm-hmm. And my dick is just all loose and limp. Yep. What's the next step? Suck your dog's feet. Man. <laughs> all right. Okay. All right. All right. You're into that. Yeah. If that's what you're into, yeah. then what happens? You come. What? Yeah. You get hard. You get a boner. You yeah. get an erection. Yeah. That's the part you're skipping. Oh, okay. Do you come flaccid? I had before. I didn't really like it. <laughs> what happens is I'm, I'll just let it. No, I'll just let it be. That's that, just one of those things you say and you just let it. Be what it is. I beat the hell out of it. <laughs> Stop. Just quit. And then I, I got, said, no, no, no. And I went to that, number 10. You're and not I, hearing I me. couldn't get it going. Man. Yeah, I know you couldn't. Uh, so he stopped taking the stomach medicine because he could no longer get a fucking boner. You know okay. what I'm saying? And yeah. that's the most important thing in his life. So fuck your stomach pain. You got to get hard. It doesn't matter yeah. what else. As long as you got to get a fucking nut. Fuck you got to right. get hard to get a fucking nut. Hell yeah. Uh, he ends up masking his pain with the liquor, which as Buddy personally knows, that never works. Uh, it does temporarily. Yeah, and then you got a pee boner, and then, and then that fucking boner pulls on the fucking back pain. <laughs> uh, Roke was traveling now to sell mugs, which he's not selling mugs. I just want to make that clear. He's traveling, saying he's trying to sell mugs. You know what I'm saying? Uh, yeah, yeah. Uh, it's February 13th, 1976. He meets a 24 year old named Giselle at a Holiday Inn bar. Giselle would not let him beat guts the first night, but she liked his fucking charm and as smart he was and probably got a glimpse of that giant hog. He told her, of course, that he was dying this time of cancer and that his wife was cheating on him. So they actually started dating one another as a result of that. She knew he was married, believed his wife was cheating, start a relationship with one another. Now, again, this guy's game is playing victim. So what he does is he makes up terrible shit that makes someone feel sympathetic for him and also uses his uh, psychological know-how and his intellectual prowess and giant member to make people fucking fall in love with him. That's what he's doing. Again, he is basically a pickup artist in before he got married and he's easily picks it up again. Now, Francine is uh, in the time that he's doing this, having to pick up the slack to make money. They're on welfare and she has to wait tables so they can get their bills paid. 
And this motherfucker has got the audacity to leave her, mother of his children, taking care of shit uh, because he met another woman, essentially, July of 1976. Giselle has got a good job, but not as good as a big old piece, so she quits that shit so she can be with and take care of Roke. Uh what they did is they started traveling together to sell mugs and they're camping in a tent. Meanwhile, fucking Francine is keeping his fucking kids. What a piece of shit. Big scumbag. Yeah. Uh, Giselle gets worried about his drinking when she has to call an ambulance because one night he passed out drunk and she couldn't wake him up. Now, if you've been around an alcoholic a lot of times, no big deal. Yeah. If you've never seen it before, terrifying. Yeah. You think they're dead. Oh yeah. Yeah. He said to her the next day, don't worry. He doesn't have a problem. It's basically medicine for him, which isn't a lie. He is managing his pain with it. Giselle ends up getting another job and gets them an apartment in Thetford Mines where Roke only stayed on the weekends so he could have his five and seven-year-old sons over there. That's about the time that Roke starts going religion crazy. Again, he knew the Bible very well. Um, He felt like he knew more about the what God wanted through the Bible than the Catholic Church as a whole did. And he started looking for more. Which is a bummer for his new wife, Giselle, because she's not religious when they first meet. And he starts hitting her with that Old Testament scripture and rules. Like, yo, you got to obey your husband. Whatever I want you to do, you got to do. Uh, not because I want you to, but because God wants you to. Yeah. Your parents named you after a fucking cum bird. Cum bird? Yeah. <laughs> it's like a gazelle, but jizz. Giselle. A gazelle's a deer. Oh, well, same. It's a cum deer, <laughs> man. <laughs> I didn't even know a gazelle oh, was a deer. That's hilarious. Uh, then early in 1977, he found a more extreme religion that piqued his interest, which is Seventh Day Adventism. It's uh, another fucking cult that the leaders started in the 1700s based on their idea that Jesus is coming to cleanse the world. The guy that started that gave an exact date. The fucking Jesus sure as shit didn't come back. And those fucking idiots are still around hundreds of years later. They ended up coming to Roke's town and preaching the gospel. What they're into is hippie shit. Yeah. But they're not hippies is the weirdest part. Like they're like if you took their life, they're all about eating organic food. Yeah. Vegetarian. Yeah. Um, they blood like anything that they can grow to make food out of. That's what they want to do. That's uh-huh. ideal. Uh, vegetarian farming. They make essential oils and shit like that. Oh, like uh, it's a lot of the first health food stores in America were Seventh-day Adventist run. Yeah. They were stores for Seventh-day Adventist. And as people got more and more healthy, they just started going there because they knew that's where you could buy the foods at. Yeah. Uh, They're, you know, they're hippies that dress like Pentecostals. And the the, the fucking projected end of the world date was October 22nd, 1884. And we're almost 100 years later and they're still fucking eating goddamn hand-milled bread. The high vegetable diet helped his stomach a lot. Again, because what's going on with him is when he chews something up and swallows it, it bypasses the stomach and goes right into his small intestine. Therefore, you know, you can chew a fucking green bean a lot better than you can a piece of steak when it's a lot softer. It's going to be a smoother pass. It's not fucking rocket science. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. It makes sense to me. They should have been potted meat. That makes him think. Yeah. That makes him think that, uh, 
this is God's plan. It's working for him. It's, 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 he's healing because he's found the right thing for himself. And he may not think that, but he certainly imparts that upon Giselle who converts into it because she sees that her husband who's been dealing with all this shit is getting way better. Yeah. And again, she thinks he's dying of stomach cancer. You know what I'm saying? Sweet. She doesn't think that he has got fucking half of his stomach cut out because of ulcers. She thinks he's on death's doorstep. Yeah. Uh, the, the leader yeah. that came to town is Pastor Pierre Zeta. He let Roque, who does not have a job right now, get a job through the church selling pamphlets for money, which seems real weird. And then a program that the church had to help smokers quit was that they would bring people that smoked in for a seminar to show them different ways to quit, show them a healthy lifestyle. And that's how they made money. So since Roke is such a lying shit bag, he fucking rules at sales. Yeah. Big surprise. That's the type of person that's great at selling a car. Uh, the, the fucking, because he's making a ton of money and doing good at sales. there's no surprise that the seventh day Adventist church loves him. Yeah. He's bringing in bank, which is the core principle of a motherfucking. What's church. so weird is this time period was, a. Uh, there's a lot of cult activity. Yeah. So, I mean, you know, you had Jonestown kind of happening around the same time. Uh, well, there's no internet, and people are starting to, like, want to wake their minds up yeah. in different ways. Harry Krishna, you know, yeah. and shit like that. They sleep deprive them, send them out. Yeah. You know. Yeah, well, you know, we're, we're, we have just passed the 60s, right? Yeah. Which is, like, past the conservative 50s, everyone started to get more loose. And then, and then what was like a counterculture became the normal culture in a way, yeah. you know, um, Roke is already bored with all this shit. You know, it's easy for him to do and he's converting people. He's bringing a ton of people in. He's doing more than Pastor Zeta was doing, but he feels like Pastor Zeta is reaping the rewards. Now, the thing is, is I'm sure even in Seventh-day Adventist church, when you're like the preacher, you do you do get a fair salary, I'm sure. You get paid way too much for what you do, but you don't get like the profits, you know? So if, if he brought in like 20 people who start tithing and buying their products and shit, it's not like Pastor Zeta is getting a fat paycheck. He's yeah. just, you know, he's just living his normal life. But that's the way that Roke sees it because he's fucking crazy. He just thinks that he's doing all this shit and it's directly benefiting this one person and not the entire church. Uh, He decides the people that he's bringing to church should be following him instead of Pastor Zeta, even though he still identifies as a Seventh-day Adventist. And also, he wants to fuck. You know what I'm saying? This is not within what the fucking Pastor Zeta is teaching people. Uh, The Seventh-day Adventists are trying to spread their seed throughout Canada they moved to Plusville, and he goes ahead and moves with Pastor Zeta. Uh, when he got there, he immediately started bringing in a lot of young people. Uh, Jacques, uh, Solange Baylor, uh, Chantel, and a few other of their friends in the same group came in at a young age. Uh, Solange was a 21-year-old product of a very abusive father. So she's got her own mental complex, probably wants to please men. Yeah. Um, has a you know, when you hear that shitty cliche daddy problems, yeah, uh, she literally has that. She's had her dad beat her up, so she's not in a you know, she shouldn't at the age that she is 21 be dealing with older men at all. But yeah, I mean, a lot of the a lot of trauma at young age is what happens, especially with that. Like, you have uh, quote unquote daddy issues, you try to work them out with older men, yeah. Uh, or you, you just seek male attention in general just to kind of be like, how, how come my dad didn't love me? I yeah. should be able to seek the attention of older men so that I maybe 
I can work this out with my dad somehow. You know, it's real weird. Yeah, you know, and that we're not trying to fucking pigeonhole anybody. No, we're talking no, about this no. specific case. This is what it seems like to me, and you'll see how far she goes following him, and it'll make sense to you. Um, Chantal, she's 19. She comes from a good home, good background and family, but she's depressed. I mean, she's a 19-year-old. Yeah. Um, I think a lot of time people that come from like a successful family, they are they start seeing themselves not stack up to that. Yeah. And that's an easy place to fall into when you're young. You don't know exactly what you're going to do. Yeah, the Smiths weren't writing music back then. Yeah, that's true. Uh, Francine, she's 18. Her problem is that she feels she's ugly. She's got no confidence. She doesn't think anybody wants her. And here comes this charmer, and he's uh, spitting game at her, and that dude fucking turns her on. You yeah, know what I mean? she's, she's got like, a big oh, old walking yeah, Big fucking hog. Never thought you'd experience anything like that, but here it is in your face. He started giving his own talks on the coming end of the world. He didn't stray from the normal Seventh-day Adventist principles, because they still do believe that Armageddon is coming, that they just had the date wrong. Pastor Zeta assumed that he was just working to convert this group. Roke wanted... All of them to be, he wanted the women mainly, so he started bringing them to Giselle's apartment on the weekends and having private sessions where everyone listened to him speak. Yeah. There's, you know, a couple dudes around. He's ba- and he's also like a lot younger than the, the other pastors. So yeah. he's cool in a way. Yeah. Well, you know, he's manipulative. Um, yeah. He is also, you know, I've, look, I've looked at the guy. He looks like fucking disgusting to me. Yeah. But. People described him as very attractive. Mm. He looks fucking weird. You know what I'm saying? So I don't know. Uh, and how fucking boring is Canada that these fucking 19 and 20 year olds want to go to an apartment to do church shit? Yeah. Boy, what the fuck? Find something to do. I'd rather suck maple out of a tree than go to church. We just suck maple out of a dick? Yeah. Nicole's 19. She just lost her mother when she met Roke. And moved into Giselle's apartment and started living with them, which doesn't raise any fucking red flags for Giselle. 24-year-old optician student named Claude started attending the Bible studies with the group. Francine brought two friends from her high school, an 18-year-old named Maurice and a 20-year-old named Jose. Recruited two new young ladies, Gabrielle and Yolanda, when he was on a Seventh-day Adventist retreat in a different town. Roke went so hard for Gabrielle that was in the group of two ladies at the retreat because she was a nurse. He got hot for her because he was obsessed with his health. Yeah. Obsessed with medicine. Uh-huh. Plus, she would be the only person around everybody in his life that had a real career. So when he saw her, he saw ways to benefit himself health-wise and money-wise. So she's like the golden ticket right now. And man, oh, man. Is fucking Gabrielle going to regret this shit going along with this fucking dork? Now that Roach has a rocks, Roach has a team. He finds his money angle, which is what you got to do as a manipulator. Again, he's a good salesman. He's got a crew. He's got to find a way to get money. He uses the kids to get them to use his methods to get people to come to stop smoking seminars. Then... What's different than what the pastor was doing is he takes this crew of kids and he has them prepare vegetarian meals. Mm-hmm. He tells the people that come that they need to donate to accept the vegetarian meals. And then he keeps all the cash for himself. Oh. And apparently they're doing such a good job in the kitchen that people start coming to these fucking things just to eat the vegetarian meals. Right on. <laughs> yeah. You hacked that. Sorry. Up. I'm starting to not feel good. Uh, <clears throat> 
Thousands of dollars are pouring into his pocket, which again is weird. You wouldn't think in Canada in the 70s anybody would want to eat a vegetarian meal. But I guess it's so different from what they have. You could. Yeah, yeah. Um, he Weirdest group of his fucking tribe that he meets is uh, Jacques Grisset and Maurice Green. That's a married couple. Jacques is a construction worker. Maurice is like a secretary, I'm pretty sure. Uh, they have an infant daughter together. Jacques... <laughs> wanted into the Seventh-day Adventist shit because another thing about Seventh-day Adventism is that they're all about a real simple life. Yeah. Um, even if you have a lot of money, which a lot of them do, they're not... They, they're like an Amish that uses electronics. Like, they they make their own clothes, they till their own land, they just aren't caught up in, like, technology, clothing, the normal... Northern American Western way of life. Yeah. They're way more about being with family, being with one another, having fucking campfires and growing wheat and shit. You know what I'm saying? And that's really attractive to Jacques. That's, you know, what what a lot of people are looking for in life. It makes sense to me. If you find a religion that condones that, it's a great way to hop into. Um, He was into the vegan shit. Maurice, she's not a fan of it, but she loves her husband. So she goes along. Chantel, um, like, it's just getting serious. I should say that first. Uh, the, the group is meeting every day now. Yeah. Uh, Jacques is with it right away. He wants to be a part of, you know, living off the land type of shit. Yeah. Maurice is the only female in the group that doesn't seem to be obsessed with uh, Roke either. She's not falling for a shit. She's already married. She loves her husband. Yeah. So she's like looking at what everyone else is looking at and just not seeing it. You know what I mean? Yeah. So she's already a little bit weary of what's going on. But that's a, a great wife, you know. She supports yeah. her husband, and it doesn't sound like some Old Testament shit at this time. It'll turn into that. Um, and her, again, when if you're like, like, like I said, how boring is Canada when you're fucking meeting up every day for some Bible shit? Chantel's parents start to get worried. Yeah. Like, go do some normal shit. Go get fucked. Go get drunk. Go get high. Go drive a car. Like, do what 19-year-olds do. Go do all that at once. <laughs> yeah, it's 19-year-old shit. Uh, Chantel got checked into a psychiatric hospital for a month because her parents sent her in for evaluation. She, all she could talk about is her religion with a psychiatrist. So they thought, yo, let's pull her away, give her some time alone, see if we can get out of this shit. Roke, in the meantime, bought a two-story building in October of 1977 in St. Marie, which is an hour south of where they're living at. And in my mind, he's making this move because he saw how easy it was for Chantel's parents to get her away from him. It wasn't hard, right? Yeah, yeah. And so he knows, and it could be subconscious because he's just dialed into this type of life. He knows that it's not, like, he needs more control. Does that make sense? Uh, Yeah. Makes total sense. Because we talked about some cults before, mostly close to this, Am Shinrikyo. And you're going to start to see a lot of the same tactics deployed in in uh, this and Am Shinrikyo. Well, really, just all cults in general. All cults, man. I mean, what's weird is like there's no book on it. There's not a book that tells you how to be a cult leader. It's no. just like I, I guess every once in a while somebody's got it in them. Yeah. And they do the same shit, and it works. You know, the, and the formula is very similar. Well, yeah, you know, along... Uh, there, there's actually a conspiracy theory that uh, a lot of this stuff has <laughs> to do with MK Ultra programs. Menomite. 
you know, and sleep deprivation and just feeding them drugs and sit them out and go, hey, give me some money, you know. Yeah, I mean, that's what it boils down to. It's just sex here instead of money. Yeah. Uh, he buys a two-story building an hour south, gets Chantal out of the mental institution. Again, she's an adult. She can leave. He was isolating the group more from their families at this time. And then he starts to control them by making them give up all of their shit, their earthly possessions, which, again, is kind of out of the Seventh-day Adventist playbook. Like, they are trying to live a simple life. It's easy to frame. It's not like it's not it doesn't sound that extreme because he's like, look, we're doing simple life. You don't need all this shit. All you need is like the land. Uh, he gets them to start wearing robes, which, again, sounds crazy to you and me. If some motherfucker's like, yeah, I want y'all to only wear robes. And we're like, we can't wear death metal shirts anymore. He's like, nah, man, you don't want to identify with the world. You just want to wear a robe. We all want to be the same. We want to be like the same type of person. We don't, we don't want to like, clothes don't matter. This is about spirituality. Let's shed that shit. Just wear robes to cover our fucking knockers and balls. Um, because let's face it. If anyone sees this giant hog, they're either going to run in terror or be intimidated if you're a man. So let's just cover them up. Let's cover them up. Let's cover this shit up. Let's get a rope. Roke marries Giselle January 28th, 1978. He knocks her up pretty quick. She's pregnant by March. She gets mad because he's spending all of his time with these kids, mainly the girls and not her, which when you're pregnant, you need a lot of comforting. And that sounds shitty the way I said it, but you know what I'm saying? Like if you're married, you're a new relationship. Your husband should not want to not be with you. Like, you're fucking... Yeah. Like, when a relationship's new, it's the most fun. So that's a time when you need to be together. Yeah. Fucking doing cool stuff. Eating popcorn on the couch. That type of shit. So she's a little bit jealous. She threatens to leave Roke one night after he had been out with all these other kids all night. He punches her in the fucking face. Oh. And in in all of his sermons and shit... He has been preaching and hammering on this Old Testament shit that women should be submissive to men. But here is where he crosses the line the first time of using physical abuse to enforce that principle. Yeah. And uh, he's already conditioned them. Like, if I do something to a woman, it's for her own good. You know what I mean? Yeah. It's easy. It sounds insane. Like, if a man hit you, you would just get the fuck out of there. But you've already given in to believing that what he, anything he does is, is what is for you, right? So when he hits you, that's the way you feel. Which, unfortunately, and you're going to probably try to go, no, man, it's not like that, and try to save face here, but that's really what Christianity's like, unfortunately. Why? I'm not a Christian. I know, but I'm just saying, like, I know people that are, and they're like, oh, it's not really like that. It's like, no, no, it it definitely is. Like, it's extreme. That book is an extremely (laughs) violent fucking book, you know? Yeah, and, you know, like I said, uh, right up top, what they do is they, uh, uh, so that in my other podcasts I recorded before this, well, yeah. you know, but basically you have these violent principles that are in the old Testament and, uh, like, you know, controlling your wife, beating your wife, beating, well, New Testament beat, too, beating yeah. your kids. Well, you know, I'm, this is, I'm doing like, let me finish beating your kids, yeah. doing all this extreme shit that you're commanded to do that God straight up says he wants you to do. Uh, and the the whole design, the reason that the Bible is made is to control people. It's to control populations. It's so yeah. a king can rule. A king is like the worst thing that there is. Yeah. Like, it's a bloodthirsty fucking monster that wants to control a population through force. You know, there's no election process. There's no want of the people. It's one person putting themselves above everybody else yeah. to rule people 
They just figured out a, a way to do it psychologically instead of with, with swords. They make a blueprint. Uh, wow, your life is fucking terrible. That's the way your life is. You're poor. You don't have anything. It sucks to be alive. But you know what's worse than this? You got 60 years of this and it fucking sucks, right? How would you like something way worse than this for an eternity? Yeah. What's an eternity? Oh, you know, like last Wednesday when uh, we tied you up in the stocks and smacked your hands and you thought the day was never going to end? Yeah. Uh, that was 24 hours. What's 24 hours in the scope of eternity? Uh, well, it's a piece of a piece of a piece of sand in an yeah. hourglass. So uh, you better do the right thing. All right. You better listen and and adhere to these principles or you're going to burn hell forever. So, yeah. yeah, your life sucks, but you're going to do this or because you don't want it to suck more when you fucking die. You know what blows my fucking mind is gay Christians. That doesn't make any sense to me. I mean, it's just, you know thing about it is that I, I, mean, I know we said it on here a million times and I think that's how everybody feels. Christianity uh, and a lot of religions is a cultural thing. Yeah. Uh, you see your parents doing it. You don't feel like your parents would lie to you. Yeah. They did the same thing with their parents. It passes on and on. But what I'm trying to say is that all that extreme shit, when there wasn't a need to control people like that, the church still wanted to be around and make money and be in people's lives and keep being the business that it is. So they had to soften it up. Right. Yeah. So they still, you'll still read the same principles. You'll still learn the same things. You'll still, but there's like a, just a milder enforcement of it, you know? Yeah. And it's like, you can make your own decision, but this is really what God wants. Like you can, if, as long as you accept Jesus in your heart, you're going to go to heaven. It's up to you how serious you are about it. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. So if you do smack your wife, eh, you know, it's kind of part of it. You got to accept yeah. that. I forgive you. Yeah, exactly. It's bullshit. the forgiveness shit. It's bull. It is bullshit and it is dangerous. I mean, that's, you know, yeah, you're right. I mean, I got no disagreements there. Um, so she, yeah, she gets hit, and that's the the fucking way it is. Um, the, the people that are in the town of St. Marie, they already don't like Roke's weird at fucking ass. You know what I mean? He's fucking weird as shit. Also, he doesn't pay his bills, which, you know, in a small town in the 70s, that is going to get around real quick. If you're a shitbag, people are going to be like, hey, man, you, what do you think about this guy? Because he owes me some money. Like, oh, yeah, he owes me money, too. Well, fuck him. He's a shithead. Uh, and they also is they're the only they all dress the same. They're wearing robes and they're dirty and shit. That's going to raise some red flags in people's minds. It's again, small town shit. March of 1978, Roke tells a young leukemia patient to leave the hospital and live with him because he can heal her with some bullshit grape juice that he's made. All right. And he starts calling. This is where he starts calling the place that they live a healthy living clinic. And he comes up with that term for her. So she thinks she's leaving a hospital and going to a clinic, but really she's just coming to this shitty two-story house with way too many people living in it in fucking robes. And of course, she almost instantly drops fucking dead. Police investigate, but there's not really anything they can charge him with because she left the hospital on her own free will. Yeah. He probably just fucking flashed his dick at her, you know what I'm saying? He beat her over the head with it. (laughs) And now police are watching this fucking healthy living center. Now they, they now he's got their attention in a way he doesn't want. Roke starts telling everyone that uh, once the, the name of the leukemia patient is Geraldine. Once Geraldine died, he sat with her body and he kissed her. She had been dead for over a day. She momentarily came back to life after he kissed her. Yeah. With God's voice. Uh-huh. Told him that she was so thankful for all of his help. Oh, okay. Uh, yo, thanks for killing me, you big dick freak. 
So, he, he just what he really did was he he didn't mean to kill her and he really did get the cancer out of her body. He just used dicked her to death. Yeah, yeah, he just used a dick, yeah, like a Hoover vacuum cleaner, sucked it <laughs> yeah, all out yeah. of her, and they accidentally just you know pulled the lung out and he was like, <laughs> "Fuck, I'm sorry." And then I went too far. And he's like, I, "Let me kiss you on the forehead." And she goes, "It's okay." He 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 like ventriloquisted her with his dick. Yeah. Whoa. He's like, "Go ahead and say it." He's like. Burp, burp, burp. Yeah, I'm not the nah. dummy. Dummy, you're the dummy. I'm the Christian <laughs> puppet master, cunt. <laughs> oh, come on. <laughs> we almost made it through an episode without you saying cunt. You see, it's, it's weird to say cunt, you know, to yeah. anybody, but a dead cancer yeah, patient. Yeah, come on, guy. Uh, t- May 1978 is when Pastor Zeta hears about this shit and kicks Roke out of the Seventh-day Adventist church for good. Because, again, he is now telling everyone he could bring people back from the dead and that he has a huge dick. And only half of that is true. Yeah. Roke's paranoia starts because the police, the church, and the kids in his group's parents are all over him trying to find out what the fuck's going on out there. June 5th, 1978, Roke loads up a bus, a truck, and two cars with everybody. They take off. No note. No one told anyone where they're going. There's no trace left at the house. The parents filed missing persons reports. Police go to investigate. The only thing they can find buried in a shallow hole is a bag containing every single member's identifications cards. Oh, that's real. Yeah, that's a good sign. That's a fucking if you're a parent and you're wondering what happened to your child and you find that that's just got to be a sweet breath of relief right there. Uh, You know what? We don't know what they They don't need IDs where they're going. Perfect. That's great. We don't use soap. So why the fuck we wash our IDs after (laughs) cutting up this spam for a good old Kentucky camping fry? (laughs) What the fuck, man? Uh, July 6th, 1978. Rogue tells his followers that they had to escape modern society into the woods because God told him the apocalypse is going to happen February 17th, 1979. What have we learned with Doomsday Colts? Give yourself a lot of time. I, I fucking hate God. I fucking hate Christian. <laughs> I, just, I just hate the shit, man. All it's right. the dumbest shit, man. It, yeah. it is so stupid to me, man. Back. I, I, I get it. Uh, yeah, so he doesn't give himself a very big window. I mean, we're talking fucking nine months. Uh, you need a bigger timeline, my guy. If you know, like, you, you know... God never said shit to you. You know what I'm saying? He didn't say a goddamn thing. No. You, sir, delay it. Yeah. He ain't coming back, you dumb fuck. Give yourself time. This might be brutal, but... Brutal. If you're... The guy's clearly not dumb, but the people that follow him are fucking idiots. Uh, yeah, but, you know, I try to tell you, like, various things they had going on, but... Yeah, I mean, you're right. You know, they're soft-minded. Yeah, they're weak. You know, you're right. You're right. You're right. It sucks because they all end up being victims. It's hard to say. You yeah. don't want to say it. I don't want to shame a victim. I get it. It's the wrong thing to do. But at the, at the end of the day, man, and uh, we're going to go in through some of the mind control shit that he did. And I understand. It yeah. happens over time. You get caught up. It could happen to anybody. It, but could it? Not us. No. Nah, you ain't talking me into shit. No. You're going to talk me out of shit by trying to talk me into yep. shit. Yep. Don't fuck that bear. Why? God commanded you not to. Uh, there's no God. Yeah, but I say you shouldn't do it. Uh, want to? But look at its sweet little it's honey like, hole. Why do you want? Why do you want to? I don't know. Because you fucking said that I shouldn't. But it, I, do you like bears? Yeah, yeah, I do like bears. You like bears? Yeah, I fucking like bears. That's what I said. Oh yeah. 
How many bears you been with? As many as I fucking want. I'm gonna go fuck this bear right now. Fuck but, you. I'm gonna fuck you after I fuck the bear. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. That's just the way yeah. I feel all the time. Yeah, you know what? You know, I got you, know, you know what's a great bear ass? Where you would definitely fuck it because it's nice. Winnie the Pooh? Nah, man. Great outdoors and they blow that old fucking <laughs> fucking <laughs> fucking bear's butt off with a lamp gun. Yeah, it's hilarious. Man, but that butt looks good. It's a nice butt. Yeah. <laughs> it's all smooth. Uh, Rogue said that the only way that they would be safe is to head out into the wilderness because God chose them specifically. They had to make a peaceful life so that they could repopulate the world after God destroyed everyone else with storms. It's like, that's your game plan? How are you going to hide from the storms? Oh. Because <laughs> you're in the trees? Yeah. Is, is no one else underneath the tree? Um, July 29th, they find a place to live called Eternal Mountain. That's what they name it, is Eternal Mountain. He, of course, doesn't do any physical labor. He gets everyone else to do it. They build wells. They clear trees. They build cabins. Uh, this is where the mega manipulation comes in because all that's super hard work. It keeps them working all day, every day. <laughs> When you come in tired as fuck from work, you need sleep so you can recharge for the next day. Again, like Om Shinrikyo, instead of letting them go to bed, Roke would keep them up all night preaching so they're not getting any sleep, and then they're working hard as fuck all day. And then on top of that, he was starving them, which was very easy to do with the Seventh-day Adventist background because they eat like fucking idiots as it is. They don't eat a lot of food. They basically want to barely keep the body going. And uh, that is not the way to sustain a machine, especially when it's working hard and not getting any sleep. You're fucking your body up. You're fucking your mind up. Being hungry all the time will put you into depression, make you susceptible to mind control. I mean, that's a common torture tactic. If you want someone to do something, a great thing to do to them is to fucking starve them. Even if they don't feel physically hungry, the fatigue that comes off of that will make people malleable to your will. Uh, and like I said, what's weird is that all cults do this. It's not like they're in communication with one another. I don't believe that stupid MK Ultra shit that Buddy said. Uh, but, you know, it's kind of weird that people, there's, there's folks out there that know how to control a person's mind. Uh, he also keeps breaking down individual identity, like with the robe shit, making everyone be uniform. He makes them all take biblical names, like, for example, Giselle is Esther, Solange is Rachel, Roke becomes Moses. He starts referring to society as the world of the dead. Uh, he goes full cult. This is the mistake that everyone makes with the cult. This is where it always goes wrong. He starts fucking everybody. The only woman in the group that he can't have sex with is Jacques' wife, Maurice. And this is where, of course, the wheels are coming off the wagon, baby. The funniest thing in all this is for him to prove completely that he's done with Seventh-day Adventism is that he starts making the crew go to town and buy him junk food. <laughs> he completely turns his back on what got him to where he's at in life, a healthy diet. Well, healthy-ish, eating vegetables, starts eating shit-ass junk food. He tells the Giselle that he's essentially King David now. She's the mother-wife. She needs to take care of all the women. <clears throat> and that's when <clears throat> he goes ahead and marries all the women. Mm. Right after they get married, he starts whooping everyone's ass with a club if they speak up about anything. Fuck yeah. He comes up with crazy rules. 
shit like only his newborn kids from his seed are chosen. The rest, which is only two kids, Jacques and Maurice, Maurice's kids, were treated like slaves and fucking animals. They couldn't sleep with the other people. They had to work harder than everyone else. He treated them like shit, and they're just little babies. In December of 1978, parents convinced police to come pick up Roque, take him to a psychiatrist to have him involuntarily committed in Quebec. Now, the reason that works is because Canada's got extra excellent mental care. We've talked yeah. about it several times. You know, it's socialism, essentially. So police do, if you're like a danger to yourself and others, but you haven't committed a crime, but you're on some crazy shit. Yeah. They can take you to a psych ward and you can be held there indefinitely. America's lacking in that department. For sure. Um, Thing about it is, is that Roke is smart as fuck, deceptive as fuck, manipulative as fuck, hits the psychiatrist with a sob story, tells him his plans, lies about everything and fucking walks smooth. Then, because he's pissed off about how close people got to him again, he starts to really inflict punishment on the cult members. He broke two of Maurice's ribs because she didn't want to eat pancakes. Jacques, her husband, made her cut her fucking big toe off because she wanted to leave the cult. Her husband, man. Hot. Is it? He sucked the toe. Probably. That's hot. All right. Well. He's jacking while he's drinking her blood. Are you sure this is a road you want to go down? Yeah. Torture. Torture fucking? Yeah. Not really, but people like it. (laughs) Uh, Yeah, he may. I mean, that's how hard his fucking grip is. Could you imagine the person that you love, you came into, the only reason they're here, you know the only reason they're here is because you want to be here. You make them cut their fucking toe off as a sign of fucking sincerity and commitment when they want to leave this crazy religion. Uh, February 17th, the date that the world is supposed to end comes and fucking goes. And Roke says that God's time is different, which is what the fucking Seventh-day Adventist said. Uh. And they believe it. Jacques, not the one that's married to her, the student, escapes in April. The press... Knows about this shit because the parents are freaking out, calling the cops, calling psychiatrists, calling social workers all the time. They question him, the press does, and he has nothing bad to say about the guy. Nothing bad to say about the cult. He says it's awesome. Everything's great. It's a beautiful place to live. Everyone's well taken care of. He's afraid to say shit, and he doesn't say shit. Chantel's parents benefit from this, though, because they get the location. (laughs) Once again, have her picked up and him picked up for psychiatric evaluation. Both of them pass it with flying colors. And then you got to send this animal back, pissed off again. He starts to fucking torture, straight torture the babies. Starts with Jacques and Maurice's infant Samuel. Uh, with Sue, again, this guy Jacques is the weakest motherfucker of all time. Yeah, he makes he makes this guy, anytime his baby cries, he makes him roll the baby's naked body in the snow. To get it to stop? Yeah. What a... Yeah, it's fucked. I mean, this is where it gets super fucked. Cause again, if you got problems like child abuse and shit, yeah, maybe skip like the next 15 minutes because it gets gross. Yeah. Um, fucking Francine's dumbass, his ex-wife, sends their 12 and 10-year-old kids that they had together to live with their dad in March of 1981. Rope 
makes the group throw a party in his kid's honor. He's happy they showed up. Everyone should be. They're his first heirs, his seed. Yeah. They're fine because he had them. A newer cult member who was a mentally ill man named Guy Vier gets fed up with two-year-old Samuel's crying and punches the fucking two-year-old in the face. What the Grown fuck? man. <laughs> Instead of getting the two-year-old to a hospital and giving it the medical help it needs, right here is where Roke starts trying to play doctor and show his healing powers. He believes that the crying from Samuel is because he needs to be circumcised, and God is mad. Oh. So he, himself, tries to circumcise Sam with a razor blade. Mm. For anesthesia, he forces the two-year-old baby to drink ethanol. Okay, I thought you were just going to punch him in the face again. No. Slams him full of ethanol. Of course the baby dies. It's fucked. What the fuck, man? The conditions are so bad. His mother, Maurice, is so worn from mental abuse, psychological abuse, starving, cutting her toe off, and the control that's been put on her. When they tell her that Sam has died, she just keeps doing her chores. Yeah, that's sad. As sad as it gets, really. You know, she doesn't even move. That's sad. Roke puts Guy Veer on trial for the kid's death, even though Roke killed the kid. Veer says the reason that he hit the baby is because he has constant headaches and loud noises drove him to do it involuntarily, which isn't good, but plausible. I mean, the guy is, you know, mentally challenged. (laughs) I mean, you know, imagine having a headache and a baby screaming. I get it. I mean, it's not right, but the guy probably doesn't understand right from wrong in the same way that we do. You know what I'm saying? Well, kids can get on your goddamn nerves. Boy. Oh, hell yeah. If you go to the point where you just beat the fuck out of well, them. Well, you know, on, the guy's man. not all there. He just shouldn't be around the kid, yeah, yeah, mainly. Yeah. Roke decides that he should castrate him. Veer. Um, because he's put him on trial. He thinks that's the verdict. To talk Veer into it, he tells Veer that this is going to cure his headaches. So in front of everybody, no anesthesia, with a razor blade, he cuts Veer's testicles off, puts them in a Kleenex, puts them in Veer's mouth. Wow. It's like a weird tea bag. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Veer escapes November 5th, 1981, tells police about Samuel, the baby that kill- killed. Doesn't tell him the full truth. Yeah. Tells him that there's a dead baby, it was an accident, so on and so forth. Uh, December of 1981 Roke is held criminally responsible for the baby's death but he only gets two years in prison okay at that time the cult leaves the wilderness but not his grip they move south to Carlisle to get a house near the prison six women have his children while he's in prison Mm. he gets out of jail February 1984 and they move on to the English-speaking side of Canada, which is where that language barrier comes in, because only Roke could speak to outsiders in Kenment, Canada. They spoke English, he spoke English, everyone else that he's with right now speaks French, so they have nobody to talk to. Because that's southern Canada shit, people refuse to learn French that speak English. People that speak French refuse to learn English. It's a shit cycle, and sure rears its ugly, stubborn head here. Um, his followers, again, build into the wilderness, makes them do all the work. Same mind controls going on, starving them. Ten more kids are fucking built. Roke is making his 
Followers go into town and shoplift food until they're caught stealing on January 31st, 1985. This is when he gets the idea to start a roadside farmed food stand. He starts getting vegetables brought in, starts growing a little bit of vegetables, and it does pretty well. Well enough that he's able to get baking equipment from wholesalers, but he doesn't pay for it. And that was the start of what he called the Ant Hill Kids Bakery. Now, he had been throwing the term Ant Hill Kids around because he referred to them all as one organism. Again, he stripped them of their identity, makes them work hard, and they're supposed to be all one unit, even though he doesn't do any fucking work. <coughs> um, he starts making money again, so he starts eating junk food again, and because his stomach is hurting, he starts fucking drinking hard again. So most of the shit that he's been doing, he's been sober, right? Yeah. yeah. Cut a, a, a mentally challenged man's testicles off sober. Cut a baby's foreskin off with a razor blade sober. Mm. Uh, yeah. You know, and I, again, the guy is also mentally challenged. He's dived into this world. He's read so much medical text. He feels like he's a fucking doctor. And just like with the Bible, he feels like he knows more than doctors know because he read the text. He thinks he knows how shit works. He wants to come up with his own fucking way of doing things, too. Uh, he starts forcing them all to have nightly orgies. He starts beating everyone with an old axe handle or a hammer. Mm. Uh, his sex gets weird. He starts pissing in everyone's mouth. Oh, yeah. Uh, then he makes the group hold down and circumcise Jock. Yeah. The husband. Okay. There's two Jocks. There's the student and then there's the fucking husband. Uh Next fucking major shit to shake up. December 1985. Gabrielle, who was the nurse, remember? Yeah. Left her baby outside and it froze to death. Oh. Now they call the police who send a coroner. They see that the baby has obviously had signs of abuse. Um... You know, it's clearly frozen. It's easy to figure out. Yeah. But they still, shit-ass social service group put down the cause of death as SIDS. However. <sighs> what the fuck? I know, dude. It's sick. Uh, however, <clears throat> social workers begin to watch uh, and enlist. that, Like, that they find out, you know, like they've been around a little bit because there's a lot of kids there and they're worried about it. But now they begin to like really try to keep an eye on and infiltrate the group because they're worried about the kids. I mean, they're social workers. Uh, they enlist the Council on Mind Abuse and they figure out, yo, we got a cult. It's going to be hard to do. We got to work on this shit. March of 1985, social workers try to visit. And of course, Roach meets him at the gate and loses his fucking mind. You know, doesn't physically touch anybody because he's smart enough to know that he'll, you know, be removed from the situation and they'll have. They're way with his shit if he does, uh, but he loses his mind, intimidates him, and they get out of there. Now he knows that he's got a short time left, right? So right after that, he announces that Doomsday has arrived. He pretends to talk to aircraft on these non-working radios about seeing God and Jesus in the sky and how there's these storms coming in. October of 1985, Maurice finally leaves with her two surviving children. And she tells social workers that Roke abused the kids sexually, threw them into trees when he was mad, which is enough evidence finally for police and social workers to go and raid the commune, take away all his remaining children. Now, 
again, child abuse fucks you up. Just like skip, you know, skip like the next five minutes. <laughs> what happens, you know, as the kids get pulled out, I'm sure this is the way it works most of the time is to find a place for the kids to live. They put them all in foster homes. When they're in foster homes, they're around way different people. They start seeing how the world actually is. There's no dead society. Things work a much better way than they're used to. They start getting comfortable and they start having conversations with psychiatrists. They start having conversations with foster parents and they start opening up about the shit that Rogue was doing to the kids. Now for punishment, when kids would cry, he would crush their fingers Mm. to make them stop crying, which, you know, it's like inflicting pain to stop crying from pain. Yeah. But, you know, at a certain point, you have to mentally condition. That's, a, I'm sure, a great way of control. You have to mentally condition yourself to stop crying. Unfortunately, that's a con- I, I see that at my job um, where people will, if a kid is crying, they will punish them with pain. Yeah. So it's like a. It, it makes you mentally hard to pain. Sometimes. Sometimes it does. Or it makes it worse. And uh, makes it to where those kids, you know. There's some strange cases. I mean, especially here in uh, where we are in, in Bitten and Bryan area where there was a uh, family where they locked these kids up in their room. They come home from school, but they would lock them up in their room and chain them to their bed. Mm. The mom would have sex with all the kids, mm. uh, do all do yeah. all that kind of things. And, and finally, one of the kids spoke up. But, um, yeah, there, there's things like that that happens. Um, that was... Maybe several years ago, <coughs> um, but I remember hearing about that shit in the news. That was like two years ago. Yeah, 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 yeah. I remember hearing about that shit. Fucked, fucked, fucked. Yeah. That was like national news because of how ridiculous, like severe it was. The bad case. Was. It was bad, bad. Um. So she, leave, you know, the kids are spilling the information, and on, and that's like the mildest thing. He fucking makes the kids join in the orgies and kind of like sneaks them into it to start with, like. Yeah. I mean, there's parents here um, to start with to teach the kids how to have sex. He makes them have sex with animals. Yeah. Kids. Mm-hmm. Um, all the shit's reported to foster families. You know, they're, they're, their families are having sex with them in the orgies. Mm-hmm. It's all like a, you know, mind-fucked mess where this guy has been able to convince people to do whatever he wants to and whatever he wants becomes more and more depraved and complex as he feels the grips tightening on his time frame. Yeah. You know, he knows at some point the, the fucking gig is up. Right. Yeah. And he keeps making it tighter and tighter and tighter. Uh, psychologist says that, that when they take the kids, they want to talk to Roke again, but now they're talking to him to see if he's fit because a lot of these fucking kids are his man. It, yeah. It's like the worst part. He's got his two natural kids He's already had. He ended up fathering 28 kids by the time this shit's all said and done. I think it was 26. 26? Okay. By the yeah. time it's all said and done, 26 kids. Um, so, you know, he's got a fuckload of kids at, at this point. He's going to have more, which is insane. Oh, it's, it, it, the shit somehow gets crazier. But a psychologist that talked to him to see if he was fit to raise kids reported that he had a hard life. And he was also being persecuted for being Quebec, Quebecois in English-speaking Canada. Yeah. Uh, he was being persecuted for his religion and that the kids should be returned to him. He's like a, the best at charming a psychiatrist. That sounds like Arkansas DHS to me. It's insane. It's a fucking bonk. Yeah, there's some country stupid shit. Like, oh, yeah, this guy's not so bad. 
Um, I just want to slap the fuck out of those people. Yeah. I mean, this, this particular fucking person, she never admitted that she was wrong. Yeah. You know, it's just stubborn ass, stupid fucking shit. Uh, he probably whipped it. It's a female. He probably just whipped that big old fucking hog out and got away with it. You know what I'm saying? Um, now he's let free. There's no wrongdoing, but the judge rules that the kids are permanently removed from the property. They could never be his again. They can never go back, which is a great victory. Unfortunately, the members will not leave. The adults won't leave because they are convinced that he really is a prophet. And that if they don't want to suffer God's wrath in this life and the next, they can't turn their back on God's prophet or God will come after them. Not even just him. Whatever he can do doesn't compare to what God can do because he's not God. He's a prophet of God. God is infinitely worse. If they think this is suffering, wait till you see what God can do to you. So Roke goes full heel, makes the turn. Starts burning everyone's skin off slowly with a blowtorch every night. Yeah. Little pieces of skin. Uh, one of his wives is pregnant. He punches her in the stomach to cause a miscarriage intentionally. Mm. Starts pulling out members' teeth, healthy teeth with no anesthesia. Old Dr. Rope pulls out the kid again. He wants to perform surgery on Solange's liver when she gets sick. Okay. To start with, to get things working the right way, surgery-wise, he gives her an enema of molasses. That's very Canadian. Yeah, yeah. Oil and water. Mm -hmm. Fully dressed. Okay. Slices her from fucking genitals to tits. Chest, I should say, I guess. Okay. (laughs) While uh, while she's awake. No anesthesia. Uh Only molasses up her asshole. Starts pulling out her intestines, trying to find her liver. Mm-hmm. Uh, the followers are just standing around watching, including the one that's a fucking nurse. She actually assists him in sticking a tube down her throat, oh, which served no purpose. Okay. Like, what? You know what I mean? Uh, he can't find a liver, so he just pulls some shit out and sews her back up, where she sits there and suffers all night and dies the next morning. Three days later, he decides he's going to marry her corpse. Sweet. Because he's already married her flesh. Yeah. But he believes that he can give birth to Solange. So, he digs up Solange. Pulls her body back open. Takes individual organs out. Fucks. Individual organs. Okay. Okay. Pulls her bones out. Then his ideas giving birth to her is going to be impregnating her and bringing her back to life. But do you know how you impregnate a dead body, buddy? I don't know. I don't think anyone does, but Roke's idea here is that he drills a fucking three inch wide hole into her skull. Comes in it? He does. But then also he forces every other male member to ejaculate into her brain. Literal skull fucking. Yes. And that's supposed to give her birth back My to life. My stomach hurts. Yeah, it's gross. I mean, I don't know. I like, don't it's not even that. It's just like the removal <laughs> of fucking. There's no way to frame it. It's just bad. Uh, the people, like, looking back on it, 
once he put the enema in and cut her open, you know, they describe like watching the organs pump and work. And then he cut her open and the fucking molasses and shit just sprays everywhere. I mean, it's not funny at all, but it's like if you're going to do the surgery, then why would you fill her up with weird shit like that first? I don't know. <laughs> Just fucking do it. I have... want to. But hey, it's still, we're still not done. We're not out of the woods with no. this body yet. All right. So when she doesn't come back to life, he keeps a jar of her bones to jerk off in, and he keeps one of her ribs on a necklace that he wears brazenly. Now, she's reported missing by social workers when they don't see her for a couple of months in 1986. The cops don't come, they don't give a fuck. She never, she's just missing. That's it. Like three years pass. Uh, we're talking about July 29th, 1989. Roke decides that he wants to do some more surgery. Gabrielle, who was the nurse to start with, he takes her hand, puts it on the table, stabs a knife through it, holding her to the table, and then tortures her for hours, culminating in Roke cutting her arm that's tacked to the table off with a cleaver. Surgery. <laughs> it's so stupid. <laughs> yeah, it's ridiculous. Gabrielle escapes to a woman's shelter. So she's there. She's mm-hmm. trying to get taken care of. Jacques, husband Jacques, the other Jacques got away. So that's the only one I'm talking about. Remember, he left um, and wouldn't say a bad word about the place. Goes to get her, convinces her to come back. When she comes back, followers hold Gabrielle down. And he holds a heated piece of metal onto the stump that her arm was to cauterize the wound and also inflict as much pain as possible for leaving. A few months pass. August 14th, she goes to a women's shelter. The 16th, she finally goes to a fucking hospital. She still won't say a bad word about Roke. Again, thinks he's an actual prophet. Thinks that God will fucking execute his wrath if she fucks shit up. She tells cops that she got stuck between a car and a tree. Car can't move, tree can't move, that's her arm. He has to cut her arm off to save her from it. Saved her life. Yeah. But she's got an infection. What the fuck? Needs to get taken care of. So, cops, one, don't buy it, and two, her, him cutting her arm off is enough for them to arrest him anyway. So, he goes into hiding. Uh, The fucking group is just hiding in a camouflage tent, like, right on the property. It takes them two months to find him. They find him October 6th. Same day that he, she knows he's in custody. He can't hurt her. She tells that uh, the police about Solange's death, which is, you know, now almost four years before this shit. Yeah. Um, Roke gets 10 years in prison for this shit. Or 10 years to life. I'm sorry. That's important to say, which is a big deal for Canada. Um, there's a possibility of parole, but that's how Canada rolls is that if they would have given him like a maximum sentence without the possibility of parole, he could have been out in like 12 years. Yeah. So they give him 10 to life with the possibility of parole. In 1993, um, his followers finally start coming forward, kind of stepping out of their mental haze, recounting what happens. Gabrielle, who lost her arm, writes a book, Alliance of the Sheep. It's a pretty good fucking book. I perused through it when I was coming up with this shit. Um, Francine, Chantal, and Nicole... Stayed with him. While he's in prison, they go there, take his cum, yeah. and have his kids. Mm. 
They also worked with him from behind prison walls for the three of them living together. Opened a bakery. Bakery's doing really well. They make good food. They've been around. It seems like a nice family until an expose comes out and they find out that, you know, the women are married to this fucking murderer, child murderer. Um, April of 1993, he has to be transferred to Kingston Penitentiary because inmates want to kill him. I mean, you know how prison goes, even in Canada. They know he's a pedophile. He's a piece of shit. They want him dead. They want him fucking dead. He's in protective custody forever, basically, until sweet February 23rd, 2011, cellmate Matthew McDonald, not to be confused with Michael McDonald. I can't remember. Brought real doomsday upon that ass and kills him with a shiv. Fuck yeah. And then is so mad about this guy being alive. He kills him with a shiv. He's not even alive from prison. Takes the shiv up to the guard and said, yeah, I fucking took care of that piece of shit for you. Sweet. Handed him the shiv. Um, That's the end of that piece of fucking shit's life. That's it. That's a wrap. You can't hurt anybody anymore. Can't manipulate anybody anymore. Dead and gone. Was he a god? No. Was he a prophet? No. Did anything happen other than getting fucking murdered in prison? Nah, you ain't shit. And God ain't shit. Correct. <laughs> you know, that's a big problem with the uh, the judicial system here in the States is I just wish that they, instead of segregating those type of motherfuckers, they just put them together and, and the guards just let them handle it. Go, hey, you know. Yeah. I know you got a weapon. Yeah, but whatever. I know you're going to kill this fucking weird piece of shit that touch kids. It's all good, baby. Do that. Yeah, go ahead. You know. Take care of it. Uh, we'll give you an extra fucking hour of yard time. How about that? Yeah. Yo, so we've reached the end. Uh, the song that we chose to compare to this gruesome crime is... Severed Savior? Acts of Sedition. Yeah. Which is good, because like I said, he beat them with an axe handle. Good choice there, guy. Well... It's acts, not acts. <laughs> That's hilarious. So you meant ACTS, but I took it as AXE. Yeah, you fucking three six mafia. Dude. Yeah, let me. Uh, authorities are axing if you have <laughs> any information <laughs> leading to the arrest of three well-known rappers. Yo, um, hey, we love you guys. Uh, we try to dig out the most cult and unknown content with gruesome results as possible. Not just to be a shithead, but, you know, people need to know about this shit. Yeah. Uh, don't get caught up in a cult. Don't. Don't do get that. abducted. Liz, look, listen listen to your heart. Hey, man, you know how we figured out we were Eskimo brothers? Uh, yeah. So she told me that she was in a cult. Yeah. For a little bit and got out. And I was like, that makes total sense because you're crazy as fuck. Yeah. She was nuts. Yeah. She talked to her cat. Oh, yeah. Did she talk to you, her cat in front of you? No. Okay. No, nah, man. You and me were a different type of uh, person at that time. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, yeah, yeah. You were new to the groove, and I was being a sloth. Yeah, yeah. So I wasn't exactly nice to that young lady. No. Yeah. So, hey, it's been another great episode. Hey, yo, shout out to everyone. That appreciates what we do. Uh, we certainly work hard on it. We love you for loving what we do. It gives us the energy. Like, I'm sick right now. I've, I've, the whole episode, I've just felt every symptom of sickness increase. Yeah. The throat's getting sore, closing up, getting full of snot, getting achy, getting tired. You got chills in your legs? Oh, I got them. Fuck. Oh, it's going down, baby. It's coming on. I'm going to have to butt some Theraflu. You know what I'm saying? 
I'll help you. Okay, cool. Thank you. Uh, you got to smell my nuts. I do got to smell <laughs> bag. Uh, Yo, so th- there's a lot of people who have helped us along the way. A simple way to be one of those people with no fucking involvement other than sort of signing into iTunes, which I know is hard for you fucking metalheads. I was telling my friend Drew Farley the other day, man, one thing about having a huge fan base like we do with a particular group, which we love, and it's fucking awesome. You guys rule it. But you're all metalheads. That's a, that's what we want. That's what we were looking for anyway, right? Yeah, yeah, right, yeah, right. Yeah. But, but, but y'all aren't the most technologically savvy folks in the world. And neither am I. I get it. I'm Me with either. it. Yeah. I have to, like, force myself to learn new things to make this shit. And I don't even know what nine times three is. Yeah, yeah you're right. To make, we learned that. To make things better and better. Um, And then Drew was like, yeah. Shit, yeah, I'm one of those people and showed me his fucking busted down iPhone 4 that he's still using. He's like, I, I'd give you a review if I could, but hell, I ain't even supposed to be on iTunes. And I was like, yeah, I get it, man. I'm with it. I understand. If you can and you want to, um, in the long run, a bunch of fucking five-star reviews on iTunes will, business-wise, when we get to that point, help us out a lot. So if you want to... You want to crush out bad reviews, give us a five star. You want to say something funny in the comments. You can just type anything. It just helps. That's all. That's, you know, everyone that has, thank you for taking your time to do it. I know it's a pain in the ass because I had to do it myself. It's a pain in the fucking ass. Yeah. But thank you for doing that. Um, If you want to be a fucking hero to us, we got a pretty big group of folks that have done and have continued to do some since the beginning, most since the beginning. And uh, we love them all for it. Appreciate it. You can take a second to shout everyone out now who's been financially helping us out um, for all the way from a dollar to more, you know? Yeah. You can get on patreon.com backslash death metal dicks and take a look at that. Uh, I talked to the shirt guy. He's like kind of swamped right now, but he gives us a great deal. He's looking into the last time we made shirts. You know, I think I said this before, but I was like much fatter and I was into those Gildan heavy shirts. Yeah. I thought that that fit everybody's body. It doesn't. No, nah, it doesn't. So okay. I went to get, I wanted to get a softer shirt. And so what he's looking at is like the best, like he gave me a few options. Basically I want a shirt that fits like a, a particular American apparel shirt, but a knockoff version of it with good material. That's going to last a long time, get a nice print on it and fit everybody. Nice. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. So we're looking at that just pricing options. We're going to, you know, all of our fucking big dog patrons will for sure get one. Yeah. And I'll be reaching out to you as soon as we get the gear is more in motion. I'm trying, you know, I've talked to the guy, showed him the design. Everything's on the up and up. It's just going to take a minute. You know, we're a small business. Yeah. They're a small business and that's what I respect and love. So, you know, that's what we're doing. I'll I'll get your fucking sizes and addresses and all that shit again. Forgive me for doing it twice. Uh, Yo, so Jennifer Vale has been a patron since the fucking up top. Jeffrey Ross, uh, Amber Bradshaw, well, Bobby Henderson's been around for a long fucking time. Um, Becca Bradshaw. Brad Bradshaw. You know what I'm saying? Brian Wiley. Old Sam T. Yeah. Sam Talent. Long time fucking supporter. Um, Andy Campbell, who suggested the episode to me tonight, um, which is much appreciated because it's a crazy story that I would have never thought of again. You know what I'm saying? Uh, Will Claiborne. Old motherfucking Ash Rude with a baby on the way. Ooh, man. Boy, congrats. About to, after listening to this child abuse show, you better watch over that one. <laughs> it's a crazy world Did you there. conceive that baby to an episode? Mm, I don't think anybody would ever fuck to this. We talked about it. Who did? We did one time. We talked about, like, maybe you should just go ahead and conceive a child. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. If you have a DMD baby, 
Patrick Wilding, Jesse Lucian, uh, Alejandro Palomino, of course, has been fucking rocking it for us. Clayton Haynes, old alien invasion defense system. Yep. Ripping fucking one man death metal you should check out. Yep. Fucking Lace Razor. Yeah. Very cool person. And Emma Long. Ronald D. Squire, the motherfucking third. All very cool dude. Heaviest mental. Fucking music. Comedy. Blog out of Albuquerque, New Mexico. Thank you, everybody. Yeah. You guys are fucking awesome. Keeping the lights on. Keeping the podcast on the internet where nothing goes for free. <laughs> yeah. Uh, man, fuck yeah. Another episode. You guys are tremendous. Oh, yeah, I wanted to talk about this shit, too. I'm going to do it up top, but uh, the fucking Man of War thing. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Uh, I feel like we have at least a small hand in a fucking Man of War resurgence. You know? Yeah. Uh, we have a large audience. Man of War overseas has a large audience. Uh, like a month after we started talking about Man of War all the time. Because we were lifting weights. Listen to Man of War. It makes you want to lift weights. It feels good. Yeah, yeah. Get strong. Be strong. Listen to strong music. Uh, my friend Jerry said in my other new podcast that we started over again tonight and are actually professionally recording it. You're Not Core said something fucking hilarious when I was like, Man of War like, makes you want to get pumped. And he was like, yeah, it's like uh, Perseverance by Hatebreed if the music was good. Yeah. yeah that's exactly yeah, what yeah, it is. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, and... You know, we pumped them up a lot to what I feel was like a dead audience. And they're like, you know, after that, meme pages started popping up, started seeing a lot of Manowar shit. Now, I may have manifested that in my own timeline by saying Manowar a lot. You know what I'm saying? Very possible. Yeah. I feel like I have, I feel responsible enough that I should say something. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, the fucking guitar player. Current guitar player Carl Logan got caught with child porn. Yeah. And, uh, you know, the morning that that should have happened, I fucking woke up, rolled over and looked at my phone, and I saw that I had 87 notifications. Yeah. And I went to bed at like midnight, and this was like 6.30. And I was like, what the fuck happened? And I looked at my phone, and like the first thing I saw was like, have you seen this? And I was like, God damn it. So I fucking do what I do. I turn messenger the fuck off. You know what I mean? Yeah. I don't want to hear your shit. <laughs> I mean, I do, but come on, don't beat me with it. If it's in the news, did I hear about it? Yes, of course I did. Um, yeah, I mean, that was like a tailor-made story with something I love and something that I hate the most. You know what I mean? Yeah. It was like made for me to hate yeah. and feel bad about. Uh, the, the guy, okay, so the best example I can give you is we talk, I talked a lot about Inquisition when that shit happened on the show. Yeah. Um, there's nothing lower to me than someone who preys on children. I hate it. Yeah. It's simply having child pornography encourages the production of it. You are preying on children. For sure. I hate you. Uh, I think you're the worst. I think you should die. For sure. Death. It's a multi-million dollar industry. That's so fucking fucked. And I hate yeah. thinking about it. I hate talking about it. I hate it. I hate it. Yeah. Literally more than anything. I've said it before, say it again, you know, you may have, like, what if you killed somebody? What if you murdered somebody? You had a reason for it. May not be the best reason, but I feel like I could hear you out and, yeah. and live with that. If you touched a kid, there's no way you could talk me into ever. You would be the reason I'd kill. Yeah, I hate, yeah. it's just the worst thing to me. Um, So, talked about Inquisition a lot. The guy, and that man also got ch- caught with child porn. Now, the dude from Inquisition, Dagon, right? Dagon, yeah, how Dagon. you say it? Yeah, so he... 
writes the music. He mm-hmm. writes the lyrics. He's an original member of that band. That band's two people, mm-hmm. but he writes the lyrics. He yeah. is that band. Yeah. That guy is Inquisition. Yeah. Which means that the the same fucking person that sought out child pornography is the same person responsible for that band. So fuck that band forever. Yeah. Carl Logan. Been in Manowar since 1994. Manowar has been a band. Manowar had a full length album out in 1979. Okay. So he's a very small piece of that band. And also in that band, there's only two members that write. There's one member, Joey, that writes literally everything. The singer Eric helps with the lyrics. Carl has got writing credit on two songs because he wrote the solo. Yeah. So, you know, he's like, he's a hired hired gun. He's a hired gun. He's not part of the band. I'm not trying to like give myself an out to continue to like Manowar. Uh, One thing, my gut reaction that I didn't like is that the fucking band made like a real short statement. Like, uh, it was like Carl Logan will not, has an attorney because he has attorneys and is facing legal issues. He will not be playing with Manowar anymore, but our tour and new album will not be affected. Now, yeah, that sounds shitty, you know, sounds like they just glossed over it and they also promoted some shit in the same breath. Right. Yeah. Um, Somebody gave me a really good example. Like, for you, also, it's just a band, you know. But yeah. I gotta get it off my chest because I feel like I've like should at least explain where I'm at because it's something that I've put my name behind. You know what I mean? Yeah. People that like metal understand this shit. Yeah. Um. It's like if you rent if you owned a business and you started it with a friend, you hired another person. The other person you hired has a small stake in shares. They get caught doing a terrible crime. I get in the media. I tell everyone, fuck this person. They committed this crime. I got nothing to do with them. They don't own this shit anymore. They're done. This is what they did. I start telling people that they did this for a fact. Uh, trial goes through, turns out didn't happen. Yeah. Now that doesn't happen with child pornography. It's a for sure fact. All right. But if that did happen, let's say, that Joey took a shit on Carl, said, fuck him, he's got to die, has to leave the hall, fuck this guy, kill this guy, whatever. If he got proven innocent, Manowar would be fucked. He would sue them for everything, and he would win. Because yeah. if it didn't happen, it's not true, that makes it slander. Yeah. So now they would be fiscally responsible for ruining this guy's career. Yeah. So... Hopefully, when the guy gets officially charged, like, loses his case and all that shit, I'm sure, even if they don't feel that way personally, it's part of their fucking character to say, like, you know, leave the hall, kill this guy, fuck this guy. We had to hold it in for attorney. That would make me kind of happy. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Uh, man, it's an old band. I listen to their old shit. Uh, it's two members to me. All right? So, yeah, I'm going to keep listening to it. I'm not going to talk about it anymore. And uh, sorry if yeah. I if sorry if I got you to like Manowar and this happened. <laughs> yeah. I feel basically bad. just fuck Carl Logan. Yeah, fuck that guy. He's a piece of shit. I hope he dies. All right, that's it. See you next week.